Hi everyone and welcome in. This is Henry Zatterein. Okay, a little background before this first phrase. For those of you who don't know, a meme is a photo or video with a comedic caption. Yale students have an entire Facebook page dedicated to the stuff. Here, Adam Houston gives us one example. Okay. okay, the new one that I was thinking of relates to the Yale memes page. Okay. I think that's generated some new vocabulary. Classic mashed potatoes. Can you explain the meme? Uh, yeah. It says, when your funny friend mashed potatoes tells another one of his great zingers. And it's a picture of the classic Yale dining item, classic mashed potatoes. So it's and weird. so you would use the phrase classic mashed potatoes in lieu of your typical phrase classic whenever you say something mm -hmm. like that. Like when Adam makes a great joke, instead of saying, oh, as a classic Adam, you just say, classic mashed potatoes. Yeah. And the whole table would burst out laughing. That's, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. And is that caught on particularly? Have you noticed that it's oh, caught it's, on? It's like a pretty powerful meme, I think. Is it? It's like, yeah. it transcends. It's like a nine. In this episode of Undergraduate Admissions, Henry explores the words and phrases that permeate Yale culture. He speaks to students to get their perspective on the language they use in parties, libraries, dining halls, and beyond. And by the end of it all, he's got a collection of vocabulary that gives a taste of life on campus. This is episode 12, The Lingo We Live By. some context. I'm at the end of my third year at Yale, which means I've had some time to hear all the words that get thrown around on campus. And some of them are weird. Some of them make sense, sure, but it's just, they're unique. So that's what this episode is dedicated to, the words and phrases we Yaleys use. First up, woads. This one comes from a local concert venue slash nightclub named Toad's Place, which every Wednesday night puts on a dance party for Yale students. Wednesday night, toads, woads. There are other events throughout the week and the year, each of which has been given its own title by Yale students. Here are Adam Harb, Noah Kim, and Adam Houston with their explanation. Soads, I've either heard for Saturday toads, or also sober toads, which could be a woads. So a woads could also be a soads in that context. I have not heard sober toads. I heard sober toads often. much more often freshman year. And only freshman year did I also hear stodes in reference to Saturday Toads. I've only ever heard stodes in reference to Saturday Toads. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, have you ever heard froads? <laughs> or thoads? Well, they have Thodes. concerts on Thursdays and Fridays. Mm -hmm. Missile Toads, of course, is toads right before Christmas break. Mm -hmm. Hollow Woads. Hollow Woads. Penny Drinks at Nine. Woads Scholar. Woads Scholar. Woads Scholar. There we go. Yep. Which is someone who goes to Wodes often on Wednesday nights. Yeah. Every single Wodes. All of them. Yeah. All of them. A lot of freshmen do it, actually. Yeah. I talked to a senior linguistics major, Aidan Kaplan, and here's what he said about the word Wodes. All of these are sort of fun linguistically. First, we have, they're, they're portmanteaus, which, um, which are words that take a part of one word and part of another word and cram them together. Um, Lewis Carroll is famous for portmanteaus. I think he's the inventor of chortle, 
which is to chuckle and snort. Um, so woads is a portmanteau. A friend of mine, Josh Slocum, had this to say about woads. It's a good place to go when you're still nervous and looking to meet people. Well, not meet people, but just drink a lot. You can go to Toads. <laughs> and what does Toads do for you? Honestly, not much in the long run. I don't know, it's just like a place a lot of people go to just hook up if they can. Or fail, more likely. One phrase you hear all the time on campus isn't Yale-specific, but plays a large role in the social scene hook up. It refers to any sort of intimate interaction between two people, up to and including full-blown coitus. At first, when I heard this word, I thought it meant to just grab a meal or a coffee. You know, let's hook up and go get a meal. A few months into my first year at Yale, though, I was told the true meaning. Here's Aiden again. Well, hookup is an interesting word. This isn't unique to Yale, but it's a word that is sort of intentionally vague. We talk, in, we talk about implicatures in linguistics, where by, by saying something where you could have said something else, you're, sort of, you're indicating either I don't have enough information to, to make that stronger claim, or I don't want to make that stronger claim, or I'm hiding that. So, so when people say hookup, it's intentionally vague. They're letting you fill in what actually happened. As is true on most college campuses, food is a treasured resource at Yale. First, a bit about residential life. Before coming to Yale, each student is placed into one of 12, soon to be 14, residential colleges, where students live from sophomore to senior year. In the basement of each of these colleges, there is a small quasi-diner, which serves comfort food to weary students late at night. This place is called the Buttery a name that accurately describes the general flavor of the food served there. I talked to Daniela de Yarza, the manager of one of Yale's butteries. So the buttery, it's kind of like a late night spot where students can come in and like hang out and get some cheap food. We serve sandwiches and eggs and chicken tenders, mod sticks, so kind of greasy food, but I feel like when you're studying at night in the library, it's really, it's a good spot to have, you know, just to like go and one dollar, get a nice grilled cheese, refuel, re-energize, and then go back to the grind. A lot of students, a lot of my friends go down there to hang out. At the beginning of the year when we send out applications, we always get a lot of applicants just because it's like a very chill job. Quick interjection. The butteries are run and staffed entirely by students. And so it is a job for the people who work there, but it's also like a great way to like meet other students who aren't in your year and also just other students to like come by to check it out. So the purpose, I guess, would just be like kind of like a social setting, but also, of course, if you're hungry, kind of like a late night cafeteria, sort of. Here's my friend Nick Harris with a personal perspective on the buttery. I love going there, but it's easy to just fall into a habit of going there like every Wednesday to Sunday. So I haven't been much lately, but if you want some... You know, some good, oh good, you just want some greasy food, then uh, that's the place to go. I'm doing my thing in the library, and then I'll go there, and then there's no way I'm going back to the library. It's just, that's the night, and then I'm going to bed, so. For more food, there's a grocery store next to Yale's campus named Good Nature Market, 
This place used to be called Gourmet Heaven, which students shortened to GHEV. But in 2015, it came under new management, and the name changed. Despite this, students stubbornly continue to call Good Nature Market GHEV. It's one of those words that you'll hear when it's late enough to be hungry, but too early to go to bed. Maybe midnight, 1 a.m. For example, I'm going to go grab a sandwich at GHEV. Anyone want something? I asked Daniela about the GHEV phenomenon. Yeah, people try to say Natty G and other stuff, and it just does not work. People, even in comments on Facebook, I see people, like, correct people. When they say GHEV, they, they correct them and say good nature market, but it, everyone knows it is GHEV. And I can't think of any other way to call it. Adam Harb, though, has an idea. I suggested gachurkit, right? <laughs> Which is an amalgamation of good nature marquette. But that didn't catch on as well. I'm not sure why. But yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know why either. It's a great one. I find it interesting <laughs> that most freshmen, even, like the youngins, are still calling GHEV uh, gourmet heaven. I mean, that's kind of strange that that hasn't dropped out of the vernacular at this point. We live on whenever our children make use of the words that we know and have passed on to them. It's the inheritance we bequeath them. Hey, did you catch that? Bequeath? A word that sounds way too formal in the context of this podcast? Well, here's the deal with Yale students. We love fancy words. We use them when they make sense, when they don't make sense, and especially when we want to sound intelligent in front of our pals. Here's Aiden. This is something that my younger brothers have pointed out when I would come home from college. That I would say something and they would be like, okay, like, Yale boy, like, I see you using big fancy words like that, and it's like, oh, whoa, like, I mean, we do have a very academic discourse, and there's a certain amount of, like, putting on academic language that people do to try to sound smart and to sound like they belong. And here's Mr. Bequeath himself, Noah Kim. I am, like, worried that I'm going to come out of Yale with my own very private lexicon developed from just talking with the same people a lot and like we'll have not many points of reference with the outside world you know like during job interviews and you know Yale it's very hyper specific that language right like I would argue that a lot of the time when this might be the English major in me but a lot of what education is is kind of teaching you a heightened lexicon, right? A mode of conversation. Because, you know, a lot of the time the purpose of education isn't that you memorize, like, all the dates in which something happened, right? That might be within, like, a specific class, but you're not supposed to really retain that for your entire academic experience, right? But it's, like, kind of about developing critical thought and, like, developing that mode of articulation, I'd say. And you think Yale has done that for you? Uh, I think that's what it's designed to do. Like, I think I speak in a lot more pretentious terms now, specifically because I'm an English major. How many people outside of Yale are really going to care about Freud, right? He does kind of have a point, but it's not just the humanities. I was thinking about that earlier this week, 
And I was like, ah, I guess that really only applies to people in, in humanities, right? Mm-hmm. Who use these like humanities buzzwords, like um, help me out, like paradigm, or teleology, panopticon, or epistemology, or problematize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stuff like that. But then I realized that we do the same thing in science. We just use kind of science sounding words. I just gave a presentation today, and I used the word facilitate to mean so many different things. I used metabolize to mean things that like, didn't really mean metabolize. It just meant interacted. Or, yeah. Well, I mean, one thing that I've noticed is that ever since coming to Yale, my in high school, my kind of crutch was basically, right? I would say essentially, basically, I just used kind of those, those qualifiers. But now I say in a certain sense... Hmm by some standard, by a certain measure. It's like it's totally changed to a longer yet equally meaningless phrase. Moving on. There's something that happens at the beginning of each semester here at Yale, and it's got an interesting name. Shopping period. No, it's not when we all go out and buy striped sweaters and high heels. It's the week and a half or so before classes begin in earnest when you can go from class to class and shop each one, or in other words, decide if you want to take it. For my friend Josh Slocum, who is almost entirely deaf and relies partly on hearing aids, this is a crucial part of the semester. I think shopping period is one of the best things about Yale in general. I understand like it can be like incredibly stressful for some people, not knowing what classes you're going to have six months in advance. But like for someone like me, especially since I'm deaf, it's such a nice opportunity to like see what professors teach, what they sound like, if they have an accent, unfortunately. You can tell a lot what class is going to be like when you interact with the professor more so than you could if you just looked at a syllabus sometimes. Not everyone is enamored with shopping period, though. Shopping period? I don't love it. I usually don't really do a lot of shopping. I'd, I'd rather not go to, like, six classes in one day for multiple days. So I kind of, like, if I like a class and, I, you know, I have kind of the ones that I want to go to, and usually it'll start out with, you know, I'm going to go to maybe eight seven, eight, maybe nine. And by the time I see one that that's up for debate and I go to it and I confirm, oh, I do like this, then the other one that is in competition with it will just, I won't go and shop it. So I, I, I tend to not do a lot of shopping. I'm, that might change senior year just because it's my last opportunity to choose my classes. I, I, I mean, I like the idea, but I, I know other people do it differently. So I, I, I think choice, you know, it's, it's a good thing to have. It does create a little bit of stress, but it's worth having, I guess, you know. One specific type of class you might look for during shopping period is a gut, the local word for a class with a low workload or in which it's easy to get a good grade. Here's Aiden. One word that was new for me coming to Yale was gut for a gut class. When I was in high school, easy classes were called jokes or just easy. 
suddenly it was freshman year and it was shopping period and people were saying, oh, like that's a gut. I was like, what are you talking about? Daniela, like many of the rest of us in our first year, had to hide her lack of gut knowledge. I kind of went along with it like, haha, yeah, it's a gut, Ooh, but like I really did not know what it meant. Then, at the very end of the semester, in the week before final exams, we have what's called reading week. There are no classes during reading week, and the whole campus goes quiet as students burrow into libraries and prepare to prove that they haven't been at Wodes all semester. I have a lot of friends in state schools in California, and they don't have reading week. I think it's just right after their classes, they already start having like a week of finals. So I thought that that was good that we have that, especially since its classes are like semester long. So I think it's good that you have a whole week to kind of like not have a break, but like have a week to study and have time to like sort things out and assess where we are for each class. I, I mean, I'd rather have it than not just to be able to get prepared. It surprises me sometimes that it's, it's not that common uh, a thing at, at other schools. It's something that you kind of... I, have learned how to manage over time, over the course of my Yale career, because at first I don't think I used it very productively. <laughs> I kind of thought, oh, well, if I have however many days, six days or something, I'll just, I only need two or three, so that's when I'll start. But now I try and do a bit every day, and yeah, it's good to have, definitely. for rapid fire. This first word is one you hear a fair amount around campus. It refers to a way to send an email to dozens or hundreds of students and faculty members at the same time. One that I think surprises people a lot is the pan list. Outside of Yale, people don't talk about pan lists. They call them email lists or listservs or something like that. But pan list was the name of a technology for email lists that they used to use here and has been discontinued for a while. But we still call them panelists, sort of the way, you know, you might call an off-brand band-aid a band-aid, even though it's a bandage. So that one surprises a lot of people at Yale. Here's one that might sound alarming at first, but just hang in there. For context, the Yale Political Union is a group comprised of the political organizations here on campus, including, but not limited to, the Party of the Left, the Party of the Right, and the Independent Party. The Yale Political Union holds debates on campus, during which people hiss to express disagreement with what is being said, and hit things to express agreement. It's as strange and as Ivy League as it sounds. So, so one, one example is that in the Yale Political Union, they'll talk about whipping. And this is actually a political term in general. And they're saying, oh, I have to go whip that freshman or something. 
It's like, wow, that sounds really bizarre and terrible. But no, I mean, it comes from, like, we have congressional whips. It, it means to get somebody to be involved or vote the way you want to show up or whatever specific meaning it has in that political context. Um, and then that's grown. I've heard people talk about coffee whipping, which is to go get coffee with, with somebody as a way of trying to, like, bring them in and get them more involved. There's one acronym that has some of its roots at Yale and is just too interesting to pass up. SWUG. It stands for Senior Washed Up Girl, somebody who has simply ceased to be interested in university life and spends her time sitting on couches and watching television shows. I was working with a senior on a group project last year when I was a junior, and we were communicating about the project, and she said, oh, sorry, I'm such a SWUG. Meaning, you know, sorry, I'm not putting everything into this project because I'm a senior. I'm basically done. I know what I'm doing next year. I have a lot of friends who um, are seniors now. They started calling each other swags, and I had no idea what that was. And then I heard that it's senior washed up girls, and that that was hilarious because I, I don't know. I just think it's funny seeing my friends like that, and I could see why. I mean, I feel like senior year, you definitely are washed up after having spent three previous years at Yale. You're definitely like just tired of, I guess, being here. I don't know, I think it's really funny, and I like. I feel like most people embrace it. They don't. It's not really used as derogatory as it seems, or other people make it seem. I think it's like a funny thing, and it just shows that you're tired and you're like growing up and you're kind of growing out of Yale and everything. Like it's been great, but you know it's time to like move on and like start the rest of your life. And yeah, it's a good thing to embrace. Finally, if you've ever wondered what Yale students talk about at parties, here's Adam. You usually have to have at least unconsciously, something prepared in your head to talk about your major. What you do with your major, yeah. and what kind of things you're involved in with your major. You also have to talk about your college, and what you like about it, and what you don't like about it. Beyond that, maybe a few things about your extracurriculars, especially if you're in a group that's a very like, well-established group, that's all you really need for parties. Because that's all people are going to ask you, and that's all you're going to ask others. So, there you have it. The lingo we live by here at Yale. I could go on, but I'm late for dinner and I hear they're serving my new favorite item. Classic mashed potatoes. <laughs> my thanks to Aiden Kaplan, Daniela DeYarza, Nick Harris, Adam Harb, Noah Kim, and Adam Houston for their help with this episode. Undergraduate Admissions was produced in English 471 at Yale University. Special thanks to our professor, Mark Oppenheimer, and our audio gurus, Brian Paws and Phoebe Petrovich. To hear more episodes, check us out at uapodcast.com. If you have any questions or comments, shoot us an email at the address contact at uapodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Henry Zatteron.